Welcome to episode 23 of the Empowering Ability Podcast. Welcome to the Empowering Ability Podcast, where we get you and your loved ones impacted by disability the information needed to live a full and meaningful life. Now here's your host, Eric Gall. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Empowering Ability Podcast. This is your host, Eric Gall. And for all of our listeners, I just want to remind you that we are currently still recording our mini-series on housing for people with a disability. And uh, if that's a topic that interests you, make sure to go over to empoweringability.org and grab the free download on creating uh, your home. It's a great workbook that'll help you start to think about what your vision is for home and how to start to implement that and start the conversation. So go on over to empoweringability.org and grab that for you and your family. This week's guest on the podcast is Alice Mainland from Stratford, Ontario. And Alice is a mother uh, of a a child with a a developmental disability, and she's a disability advocate. And she shares her story of realizing that when her son Michael is near the end of his time at high school, that there was really nothing there for him once he graduated, uh, the so-called cliff. And this is Alice telling her story of what her family did and the journey of Michael's Michael building a full life in his community and sharing how Michael is contributing and living uh, an ordinary life. So here's Alice to tell the story. Hey, Alice, welcome to the Empowering Ability Podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Well, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, super excited to uh, to chat with you and, and share your story and your family's story, Alice. So maybe we'll just uh, uh, lead in with that um, and let you tell okay. your story and, and your family's story. Okay, well, thank you very much, Eric. Our story begins, uh, and we're, we're going to start this, uh, this journey with Michael, uh, who is our son. He's the uh, second of two sons. Um, uh, Michael was born uh, with a disability, uh, and he became, he became over time nonverbal and uh, had some uh, fine motor skill issues. But other than that, it was a young man uh, with exceptional uh, uh, sense of humor and, and joy and, and interest in life, particularly technology, because his brother was interested in technology. He uh, went through school through a variety of, of uh, classrooms. Um, as we here in uh, Stratford, Ontario, we had what I called a population explosion. There was a good number of children born uh, around the 1976 to 1980 time frame uh, who were disabled uh with a variety of disabilities, and uh, the classrooms were growing at a very rapid rate, uh, and Michael wound up in many, many different classroom situations. The great thing about that is uh, he learned to accept change very readily. So he continued through his school life, uh, primary school and secondary school, and here in Ontario, they uh, they're in school until age 21. It was maybe April or May of his uh, final year in school that my husband and I realized that we had a, a, a problem in front of us. That problem is 
my husband was working part-time so that he could be here when our son left for school at 8.30 and returned home from school at uh, 3.30, which was grand, but all of a sudden that was going to stop and what was going to have to happen. Uh, at that point, my husband and I were considering who was going to have to quit working. Uh, basically, that second income was going to have to stop for our home because there was no other resource short of a couple of hours a day, uh, or sorry, a couple of hours, maybe a, a couple of times a week uh, available in terms of a PSW or some type of support. That wasn't going to cut it if we're going to stay in, uh, he was going to stay working. So I started making phone calls, multiple phone calls, uh, to various agencies, and um, uh, I was on the phone with our local member of parliament. I was on the phone with uh, people in the municipality, uh, with uh, our local large association and Strafford and St. Mary's Community Living. Uh, I. I basically called anyone who had a phone number who I thought might help. And I was so fortunate because there were a couple of individuals who I was able to get a hold of who were willing to sit down uh, collectively. So we were able to pull uh, several agencies together and came up with a strategy. And I was, you know, again, I was so thankful. Uh, We were able to piece together uh, before and after work support. We were able to piece a day, uh, you know, a couple hours during a day program. Uh, at that time, because the uh, ministry uh, for uh, Stratford, or sorry, for Ontario, uh, who supported uh, social development for uh, our disabled children, seen the uh, same issue, and they came up with an exceptional amount of funding that allowed uh, children to go into what they called a foundations program. So basically, 21 to 25-year-olds uh, were given an opportunity to do some additional life skill work. And because of all of those calls, not just for me, but other parents who had the same issue, uh, we were able to accelerate uh, that in Stratford and pick up a portion of that. So basically, it was a patchwork, but it was a patchwork that worked because people wanted to help. They just didn't have all of the answers. So we were so fortunate that we were able to remain a two-income family uh, because we were able to piece this together. However, not a lot of other parents within the community, once their children left the high school environment, um, uh, unfortunately weren't... Um, They didn't know about uh, trying to figure out how they could get their children into foundations or, you know, they just didn't, they don't know what resources are available to them. So um, we were one of uh, a small number that were fortunate enough to be able to uh, uh, have this set up for us during the day. That program continued on for our son 
Well, it actually, a portion of it, the foundations continues on till this very day. Um, so he has, uh, he's been uh, very active uh, with a number of friends uh, who he meets each day. I call them his posse. Uh, you know, they've, they went through school together, uh, some of them in the same class, some of them not, uh, but they enjoy each other's company. Uh, and they just have a grand time uh, either uh, doing uh, volunteer work within the community, uh, doing uh, getting together uh, do, uh, for Special Olympics, getting together uh, with a DART program that they worked on. Uh, they get together just a, a, so many lovely and, and uh, supportive environments that, you know, I'm, I'm smiling on the inside because... Boy, I, I am so happy that he has this uh, circle of friends, circle of support uh, that surrounds him to this day. Hmm. There's a couple of things that stand out for me, um, Alice, and the one that's that's really standing out is your openness to ask for support. And to go into the community and to see what's available, to have conversations and to explore. And it sounds like doing that was uh, very impactful in, in terms of getting uh, Michael the support that he needs and, and helping him to um, get involved in the community. You're right, and I attribute that to what I did uh, for a living um, and in uh, my role, well, many roles in manufacturing uh, in the automotive sector. I managed many different projects, uh, often had to seek support internally, externally, had to uh, seek collaboration uh, with limited resources. So I was fortunate I was able to apply those skills in uh, a different arena. However, not all parents have those skill sets. Uh, not that they don't have them, but they haven't practiced them. You know, uh, practicing skill sets, you become better and better at it. Uh, but uh, they haven't had the opportunity to interact, perhaps, with some of these uh, agencies. I was fortunate enough to have interacted with them because I was on, I sat on the board for our local Drafford Association for Community Living. So I was familiar with some of the resources. Um, I tried to engage them in, in the past, not realizing how much I would rely upon them in the future. So I, I had some fortunate circumstances that led me to be able to achieve what we achieved. And part of that also was leaning to uh, what we call um, adult protective services. It was a, a portion of... Uh, what we call Stratford, or sorry, uh, Perth Huron Family Services uh, here in Stratford. Um, and it was through that contact uh, that they put our name forward for My Michael for consideration for a roommate uh, situation uh, of a young man who was coming out of a uh, hospital uh, who was going to need 
he was going to find a home independently, uh, however, couldn't afford uh, to live on his own, uh, given the price of rents and things like that. So it was through that uh, contact uh, that I'd made four or five years in the, you know, prior to it, that uh, they reached out and say, said, hey, I think these two guys would be a great fit. Do you think that you would be interested? And, uh, you know, here we had our son at 30, I think he was 31 or maybe 29, sorry, at the time. And we were potentially having an opportunity to think about him leaving home at 29, you know. His son isn't leaving home but 29. Right. So, yeah, it's having those contacts in the community and, and knowing what resources available, knowing what you can ask for. Sorry for the long answer. No, yeah, that, that's perfect. I mean, building those relationships, right? It sounds like it, mm-hmm. it opened a lot of doors for your family and it opened a lot of doors for Michael. And maybe you'd be able to share um, a little bit about, uh, I guess, Michael in, in, in his home and what that looks like and, and what Michael's life looks like today. Excellent. I would love to do that. So Michael uh, did lo- uh, move into a home with another young man um, and uh, they were supported during the day. Uh, Michael continued his foundation support and, he, and the other young man supported through St. Mary's Association for Community Living. Um, so I'm going to start with the journey of looking for the home because that kind of fills in where we are today. The journey was actually with St. Mary's Association. We started looking for homes that had uh, a, a two-bedroom, of course, for the young men, but also something for what we call a supportive neighbor. The supportive neighbor was an individual who would be there and available to the young men uh, during the evening, so from 11 p.m. until 8 a.m. So when we started that journey and many of the homes that we looked at, my first thought is, yeah, okay, I'm I'm all right with the apartments they're looking at, but the uh, the supportive neighbors apartment didn't really always impress me. Um, it would be at least a one bedroom or a two bedroom, and the reason why that was important to me is. I think if we're going to have supportive neighbors join the life of, of these young men and be there uh, uh, helping them, but also being their neighbor, you'd want to make sure that they're, they stayed for a length of time because they felt it was their home. You know, to me, when we started this journey, it was important that the boys and the supportive neighbor believed this to be their home where they lived and enjoyed uh, community. So I and my husband made the decision to go looking for a duplex ourselves. Um, and uh, this would be something that was built, meant to be uh, a two-unit uh, home uh, with uh, the proper amenities, meaning uh, a, a really nice kitchen, good uh, living area or general uh, gathering area and a decent sized bathrooms and, or bathroom and uh, bedrooms. Um, and some place that we believe a supportive neighbor would enjoy to uh, live and want to stay as well as uh, the young men 
and uh, the uh, parents of the uh, other young man and ourselves went looking for homes, and we we looked through a few, and we made a decision, and uh, on one that has this beautiful backyard that uh, the boys have men- uh, enjoyed uh, a lovely garden out of and uh, have done many uh, gatherings around a fire pit. Uh, they've had a lot of parties there, but aside from that, it was just a great home. So we decided to uh, make the purchase uh, ourselves and became landlords at the same time our son was moving into his own home. So this home, uh, his first supportive neighbor was actually someone he knew, my son knew quite well, and the other young man knew uh, through interactions in the community. And uh, off we went uh, with the supports uh, surrounding both young men during the day. And in the evening, uh, is if they needed any support, uh, the neighbor was always there. Uh, I got to tell you that first week or two as a parent with your child away from home and oh boy there's no one sleeping right in the bedroom beside them that can get up such as mom and dad that was a worrisome time for both my husband and I we were so uh you know I'm not going to say afraid, but we were so apprehensive. And however, our apprehension never came to realization. He he was very successful in his home. He enjoyed his home. He enjoyed his roommate. The two of them had many connections in terms of of things that they enjoyed, such as uh, uh, antique toys, some of the uh, shows that on TV, some of the retro shows on TV, uh, heading out into the community. Um, so it it's even to this day, his roommate, uh, who he started with, uh, has gone out on his own into a small apartment uh, as he grew and and has worked uh, full time now uh, at a community or at a store in the community. Michael has a new roommate uh, who's r- moved in recently, and. Uh, uh, where the previous roommate was kind of supportive and brotherly to Michael, Michael has the uh, opportunity now today to be the uh, supportive older brother and and uh, uh, monitor and and help and and guide his new roommate. Uh, again, huge change. It only happened recently, but it's it's been great for uh, Michael to uh, be able to experience that uh, because roommates do come and go. Uh, and uh, he's he's gone through that fabulously. As roommates come and go, so do uh, supportive neighbors. And uh, the boys have had uh, more than a couple in their life. But today, the supportive neighbor they have uh, has a dog. And this is the first time... Uh, we actually interviewed the dog to be a tenant uh, because we wanted we wanted to make sure he didn't bark or you know keep the guys up at night or anything like that. But he's such a quiet dog, and he's he just got along fabulously. Uh, Michael loves them, takes them for walks, and and the two of them are are fast friends. Uh, so everything's gone 
fabulously there. And uh, that particular tenant is, uh, for us as landlords has been there a, a few years. And uh, Michael has in, enjoyed their company very much. So the so today, uh, Michael uh, lives in Stratford, uh, in his own home, and it's his home. Uh, he feels very much like it's his home. Uh, why do I say that? Because he does his own laundry, hangs it out on the clothesline. Um, he makes several of his meals per week. Uh, others are made uh, perhaps by staff or the other roommate. Um, he, he, uh, he, you know, he gets the mail for ourselves and or himself and the ma- uh, and the neighbors. Uh, he's he's just uh, having a grand time enjoying the uh, location and uh, all of the uh, friends that he's made within the community. In fact, one of his good friends from school uh, lives down the street, only a few doors down. I, as a parent, my husband, husband and I today feel so blessed that Michael has become so independent, so uh, happy in his life. He has such a full life uh, with his uh, during the week, and I say that because on weekends uh, we still have him home. We miss him, we enjoy time with him, and we get to, to go and do uh, chores and thing, errands on the weekend that he enjoys it, uh, as much. But, it you know, it provides us some opportunity to still enjoy time. Well, at the same time, he gets to return home and return to his routines. Uh, he works at Boston Pizza. Uh, he does volunteer work. At, at the local food bank, um, he uh, he and I go for uh, a walk at the market on Saturday mornings, and it's just amazing the num- sheer number of people that say hi to Michael. Uh, and I got to tell you, it's maybe two to three times more people that say hi to him that say hi to me. <laughs> so that, that's how engaged he's become in the community. Yeah. Uh, so. We are just so happy and, as I say, blessed because there's there's very few opportunities like that that have happened, and we we had that chance to be there and and be part of it. So when I reference Michael's home, there, you know, at some point in time, our husband, my husband, and I are going to have to make a decision, what's the next steps? Um, I'm going through that right now with an older handicapped or uh, disabled brother, and he is um, in a nursing home, which means at some point in time I had to take over his finances and and many other things like uh, of that nature. So it's made me start thinking how are we going to manage uh, the home when we're not here? Uh, so that's the next big step that we're working through right now today. How is the house uh, going to, you know, look? What's it going to be like? So we're looking at setting up a trust that the home will go in trust for. Mm-hmm. Uh 
for Michael. Uh, it will be part of our estate or part of our will. Um, and then, so Michael will be there un- until his, you know, his, his, as he matures and as he ages, um, he'll always have a home. Uh, and then, uh, the house and how it is managed is the next piece that we're trying to figure out. Uh, we're looking at what we call micro boards here in Ontario that might be able to manage uh, these types of um, homes. That What I mean is the tenants, uh, the payment for them, uh, ma- managing, making sure the uh, facility stays in good repair, um, that, uh, you know, the roof is replaced when it needs to be replaced, uh, things like that, just upkeep and maintenance. Um, and why it's important to me that we take a look down the avenue of microboards is I, Michael does have an older brother, but he's a little bit older. Um, and not that he wouldn't be willing to take that obligation on, but he doesn't live within the same community. So he's not always there to see what the needs might be. So, and also he may predecease him. So I want to have a better support system in place to ensure the home stays there and running in a manner that is comfortable for the uh, roommates, uh, Michael and whoever his roommate might be, um, staff who may support during the day. Also, it's nice to have a you know a, a good location where they have a desk or a table to work at, uh, and also that a supportive neighbor is able to live in and feel that they they belong, that they're not there working, but they're there enjoying life with both young men. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So uh, what I'm hearing is you're taking that experience or that life experience that you had with, with your brother and some of those lessons that you learned and you're doing a lot more forward thinking and planning with, um, with your son, Michael, um, which is great. And one thing that really struck me is you told Michael's story, Alice, is that, I mean, when, if I were to describe the story of uh, a 38 year old guy living in Stratford that works at Boston Pizza, lives um, in his own home with a roommate, um, has some great neighbors that has a great relationship with, walks down the street and, um, you know, half the people in the town know him or, or say hi. Describing the story like that, it, you know, it, I wouldn't think that Michael uh, has a, a disability or, or is nonverbal. It sounds like Michael's living a pretty ordinary life. You're absolutely right. Uh, absolutely. He, um, he, you know, of course, Michael is nonverbal, but I didn't talk a whole lot about him. He has the most wicked sense of humor and loves to engage individuals in terms of uh, having a good time. Um, he does have some sign language. However, what he's found more useful recently is, you know, the technology of today, uh, the iPod, uh, and a, uh, software or app that's on his iPod called ProLoGo, uh, 2Go, sorry, ProLo2Go. And it has 
provided opportunities for him to express his desires uh, that we didn't even know that he had an interest in doing. Uh, so, you know, it's opened up the experience. I remember uh, augmentative devices, which are similar, meaning that they would provide uh, uh, pictograms and, and Michael would point at them. We purchased similar devices when he was very, very young and, and it cost, oh, the costs were astronomical relative to an iPod today, which he can do so much more, and he does. Uh, electronics and, and video games are kind of his thing. He loves them. I have no idea how he plays them and uh, no desire to learn, quite frankly. Uh, video games aren't my thing, but mm-hmm. they're his, and yeah. he enjoys them with his friends. But you're right. You you wouldn't know because he has so many other ways of engaging mm-hmm. those who know him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and he's living a full life in community. And um, yes. you mentioned that he's living an independent life. It sounds like he's living a life with a lot of very full relationships, but living a life more independent from his parents. It is. And, you know, recently, Michael and I went on holiday. I always like to have a holiday with him every year and do something here around Ontario. And uh, this past holiday, what was so delightful is to see his independence. He was opening car doors for me. He was, you know, he seen we had to move luggage and he would do that himself. Like he knew what was going on in terms of what was going to happen next uh, as we moved from one hotel to the next. He, uh, So you're right that the independence is, has grown so dramatically. Um, this past week, I, I broke my arm and my wrist, and he seen me in cast. As soon as he seen me in cast, it was like, oh, no, what can I do? It was, uh, You could just see in his eyes, how can I help? Hmm. And, of course, this past weekend, he did everything to help. He was so helpful. So it, he's just such a considerate young man, and he's grown so delightfully, you know, as a parent, I couldn't be more ha- happy. Um, given my initial, you know, uh, concern and, and apprehension for him living independently, I, I was, I was so wrong. Mm. It, it, it is something that I am so proud to see how he lives today. Yeah. So I'm sorry to hear about your arm. Um, <laughs> 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 um, oh, I do silly things around the farm, so it's yeah. my own fault. Um, that's unfortunate. But what I'd love to spend maybe the next five or ten minutes on, Alice, is mm-hmm. deconstructing uh, what led to uh, enabling Michael's capability and enabling Michael or empowering Michael to live an ordinary life, live an ordinary and full life. So maybe from your role uh, or perspective as a parent, um, and and what, I guess, one of the things we talked about was, uh, as part of that success, was asking for help and and building relationships. So kind of deconstructing some of those pieces like that, that has led to uh, Michael's success in living that ordinary full life. Um, Is there anything that Mm -hmm. comes to mind for you that um, are those key pieces that that helped along the journey. One of the things, and I've noticed it 
recognized it again more recently, um, and it is interesting as a parent to see. It's actually the opportunity for Michael to learn with others. In a school setting, peer support, it, you know, most of us learn through our peers, correct? Mm-hmm. So I'm seeing that with Michael as well. It's, he's had the opportunity to learn from his roommates. He's had the opportunity to learn from uh, individuals who uh, come, you know, support the, the guys during the day. Um, he's had the opportunity uh, to uh, learn tasks or skills through Special Olympics. Um, he has also learned tasks and skills and his various uh, um, help, roles at uh, helping out at the local food bank or uh, Boston Pizza where he works. I think that independence of working, you know, he he walks in the back door with pride. He almost jumps in the door. <laughs> he punches his uh, uh, time card. Uh, he, he gets the the uh, uh, vacuum cleaner out. It, he just, he He's smiling the whole time he's doing it, uh, but it's not mom there supporting him necessarily. It may be nobody or maybe one of the staff, but he's he's enjoys show. I'm not going to say showing off for others, but he enjoys that opportunity to show others his skills. That's mm. probably the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, and why I say that is recently Michael started horseback lessons with me. Uh, we live on a farm and I run a boarding stables. I have my own horse. Michael, uh, he, he always used to know when I'd go to the barn and, uh, give me about 15, 20 minutes. He knew I'd have the horse tacked up. He'd come out, go for a ride and come back in the house. It was kind of like, Hey, mom's done. Let me go get on. And, uh, he, he enjoyed it, but it wasn't a big deal for him. Now, somebody brings him to the house, they're recording him so that we can see how his skills are growing. Uh, we're doing very special skills in terms of helping with balance and uh, working with numbers and letters and things of that nature. And he uh, he's just grown in the last year since we started these lessons. So independent that he's putting the saddle on for himself which he could never do before. It's ha- giving them the opportunity, but for him, giving him an audience kind of helps too, just because mm. he loves having people around him. He loves to show them what he can do. Yeah, that's awesome. So mm-hmm. as you've told your your story and Michael's story, it, it seems like you've shifted your maybe mindsets or approaches over time. So I, I'm curious... Is is there a way that, um, I guess, could you describe how you've shifted in terms of um, your approach or, or how you need to be to enable and empower Michael? Um, you know, thank you for the question. It's a difficult one, but it, it you're correct. It's no longer, as a parent, it's like letting go. Uh, it's like saying, hey, this is what I'd like to see in my son's life. Uh, you know, I can always be his advocate and his his voice. However, at some point, you've got to let his friends have a, a say because 
they know him best in terms of the environments that he's in, uh, that they participate in. Uh, you have to have his neighbor, his supportive neighbor, have a say because she's particular instances where he's been very helpful and, and let's pick up that piece of information and bring it to the, the table. Um, it's allowing others to become part of the family circle. And, and it's probably best put that um, that family circle has grown. Uh, we added people to our circle to help us support Michael Today, we're part of the community circle that helps Michael be successful. Mm. And making that transition has been piece by piece over time. It used to be if anyone was going to be in Michael's life, I would want to interview them and, you know, understand their skills and, and provide them guidance and, you know, all of these things I thought they had to have. Um, interestingly enough, somebody joined the team, a teacher for the summer, and he's providing me information uh, on how maybe to approach uh, some numeracy skills. I'm thinking, boy, you know, a few years ago, that would have been the other way around. So <laughs> right. it's, it's taking me time, but also recognizing I don't have all the skill sets needed to be successful for uh, or for Michael to be successful. I've got to call on those skills wherever they might be and rely upon them because I know at some point now, again, I'll go back to caring for my brother. At some point, my parents had to think about who's going to be part of his circle I, and of course, they are no longer with us. I'm going to have to let go of those reins too and make, just make sure that I've got great people in Michael's life, or I shouldn't say I've got, Michael's got great people in his life, and mm. he does. He has yeah, that's wonderful awesome. people. Yeah, so what I'm hearing, Alice, is over time as a parent, letting go and letting in. Yes, yeah. that's. Well put, exceptionally well put. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Well, super grateful for you to, to share your story and Michael's story, uh, your family's story today. And um, just one last question for you, Alice. If you had mm-hmm. a billboard that the whole world could see, what would you put on, what message would you put on that billboard? Hmm, interesting question. I, you know, I'm not sure that I can answer that. If it was Michael saying what's on the billboard, I would think it would say, hey, come on over. We want to have some fun. Um, it's just life is so short. We have to enjoy life. Can we find ways to invite the community in to find that enjoyment. Hmm. And I'm that. not sure that's a billboard, but <laughs> it, you know, it's, yeah. it, it, it's really about how can I enjoy my life? Because that's what you, you want to, you want to pop out of bed every morning and, and get on with your day because you know, you've got great things in it 
And that's what I see today for Michael. Yeah. Awesome. That's a great message for all of us. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm super grateful for you taking the time to, to chat with me today, Allison, and share your story. So, so thank you very much. Oh, I, I'm so glad for the opportunity to share Michael's story. Uh, it brings me great uh, joy. Great. Thanks, Alice. We'll talk soon. Take care. Bye-bye. A big, big, big thank you to Alice for coming on the podcast today and sharing her story and her family's story. Uh, I really like some of the key things that that she shared, uh, especially around letting go, right? Letting, uh, you know, uh, letting people in her family members go, letting them experience life, letting them take risks, letting them learn and letting in, letting other people into our lives that that are there and want to help and maybe they don't know how to to help but we can guide them with with doing that so i think that's really important and especially for younger families to hear a story like alice's and michael's um and to understand that it takes a lot of work to to build an ordinary life and to um to start thinking about that early well before you know the last months of high school so some really important messaging messages there and what really struck me is just when describing michael's life um of you know he's got a job, he's got his own place, he has a roommate, um, he's involved in the community and people say hi to him. And describing like Michael like that, it doesn't sound like Michael, you know, uh, Michael doesn't sound like a typical uh, description of someone that you would say has a disability or is disadvantaged. And I really love that. And if housing is something that you're working on, uh, feel free to go to the website and get the free download on creating your home. So there's this great workbook that's going to help guide you through creating your vision and starting to implement your vision for what your home looks like. So go on over to the website. It's empoweringability.org. And I think you'll get a lot of value out of that. I'd like to thank all of our listeners that have left us a review on iTunes. Your reviews help me understand what I'm doing well, what I can improve on on the podcast, what you want to hear. So it's great feedback that you're providing. So please continue to do so. Also, by leaving a five-star review, it helps other people find the podcast. So thanks so much for those reviews and keep them coming. So next week on the podcast, we have Jackie Goldstein, author and educator, uh, coming back onto the podcast for uh, for the second round. And when I had the opportunity to interview Jackie, we talked about stigma and uh, Patrick Corrigan's work around stigma. And uh, Jackie wrote writes about um, stigma in her book, Voices, uh, Voices of Hope for Mental Illness not against with and in her book she she has a chapter dedicated to stigma and it's a really interesting conversation about how to shift people's perception of of us so how to how to beat that stereotype of oh that person has a disability they're different and um, how do we form those common understandings and what are the most effective ways to to do that to to help people in society understand other people with with disabilities and look at them just like any other normal person so uh really good podcast uh and i think you're going to enjoy that and as always thanks for joining us today and we'll catch you next week 
Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Visit us at empoweringability.org for more podcasts and resources to help you and your loved ones impacted by disability build a full and meaningful life.